Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. And we are back on that old Riverdale grind. For at least this week and two more weeks. <laughs> it's unpredictable, uh, but it certainly is the show that we did this podcast for. And it's comforting, and we have learned it's better than another TV show. <laughs> Yeah. There is one other TV show out there that we know is... It's amazing to come back to something and be like, this is absolutely insane and wild, but you know what? I have seen the darker side. And I am okay with this. <laughs> I can parse out some uh, some of these emotions. These are feelings that humans would have. Sometimes. Some humans. Maybe not me, but other humans. Yeah, maybe there's some people out there who might want, might feel this way sometimes. Maybe? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Yeah, so it's a uh, it's Riverdale. This episode uh, is going to be picking up from where the last episode left off, as most episodes tend to do. Hey, but not all. Uh, and this one is going to pick up with Jughead's uh, death. So we're going to be seeing that. We're going to see the the aftermath of the... Jughead being dead. We'll definitely know that he's dead. He's for sure dead. <laughs> he's for he's for sure dead. Um, and this this episode will bring us into somewhat of a of a of a spiral where maybe it's. It's good that it's making us feel this way. Maybe it should just get on with it. <laughs> but maybe one storyline is great. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good moments. It's going along with the same lines. A very well shot um, series. Very well shot series. Very it's, beautiful. Yeah, very much that. With one distinct terrible shot in this scene um which i will bring up when it happens not in the scene in this episode which i'll bring when it happens it's a real weird shot i have to put a warning out there and i know people don't care about your podcaster's mental or emotional state <laughs> but i have worked i we record on sundays we yeah. record on sundays most of the time most of the time um and we have normal nine to five ish jobs Sure. And also we do arts and also we write. So, I mean, we're always working. But I I, I, I have worked at my day job 24 hours over the past two days, which are weekend days. Yeah, um, that should be a clear indication of the way that uh, Aaron was thinking. It took her that long to say she worked this weekend. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, what she is trying to say in... Wow, so many words was, hey, she worked this weekend. <laughs> also, I'm doing my master's degree and I have two papers due tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so I have wasted all of my short words and only have long words left. That's a backwards way of doing that. All right, well, then in that case, let's just get into the episode. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, well, because this is Riverdale, season four, episode 14, How to Get Away with Murder. How to Get Away with Murder. I just do want to say that when we uh, started this episode, all we saw was how-to, and I'm like, mm, I know where this is going. And then we hoped we were right. And it was. It was how to we get were. away from murder. All right. Cut to the scene that we saw way, way back at the end of season three. And cut to Jughead saying, 
Well, it finally happened. Yeah. The moment we've all been waiting for. Jughead sounds exhausted. Jughead. He sounds like, yeah, we took the long way round. I guess it's spring break now. He's like, I am so sorry that I kept saying four weeks later <laughs> so many times. Look, we did the thing you thought we would do. We are 14 episodes into this mm-hmm. season, which means there is the back half of the season still to go. Nine more episodes. Uh, this is 22. I guess eight. I guess this would be the ninth. Well, yeah, I'd say, yeah, you know what? I guess it would be eight. Eight more episodes. TV series are front 13, back nine. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, everyone's in the woods. Jughead narrates this, which once again undercuts the idea. I mean, does it undercut the idea that he's dead? We or is he a ghost? We, Has he been a ghost this entire time? The, the Jughead, it's an interesting choice. And I think it would have been a lot stronger if we didn't get a Jughead narration. Now, mm-hmm. the only problem with that is that sometimes some episodes just wouldn't have a Jughead narration. So if they had kept it consistent and every single episode had a Jughead narration... And this one didn't. This one didn't. We'd be like, oh, what? Stark, meaningful, punch to the gut. But instead, we just get a Jughead narration about his own murder. And I would like to point out that two of our siblings walked into the room while we were watching this. And both of them said, (laughs) so Jughead's dead? And we we both said, no. Probably not. (laughs) They're just pretending. (laughs) Because Jughead informs us, now that we've gotten to the moment we've been waiting for... That they should have gotten their story straight. Yep. He's very foreboding. He's like, oh, they didn't talk on the way home. Well, maybe they should have to get their story straight. Boom, Veronica. Oh, my God. I played strip poker. Mom and Dad, who are up at 3 a.m. It's not clear why they're awake. I get... Well, Molly Ringwald Andrews explicitly explains why she's awake. She has insomnia. (laughs) Not going to get addressed. Archie. Oh my god, I went skinny dipping, and the Power Rangers stole my clothes. Now, he should have said, Mom, I've escalated from jogging with my shirt off to jogging in boxers. This shouldn't be weird to you. You should be used to this, Mom. I'm hot now. And Betty. Oh my god. Brad poured some <laughs> wine on me, and then he's the Power Rangers stole my clothes as a prank. Mom, I'm really sad. <laughs> Um, but he does also explain it's a toga party, which is not a lie at all. It was totally a toga party. Yeah, it's just they wanted to say it was a uh, Ides of March party. But uh, thems were wearing togas. Right. Uh, and then we end with Jughead essentially nagging his girlfriend about how she's not doesn't have like look at look at this look at this woman. She can't even deal with a murder. Look, she's gonna do a throw up. You gotta have a stump. You gotta have the stomach for murder. Thanks, Jughead. Yeah, it's a real weird judginess from Jughead, who may or may not be dead. I'm pretty sure Jughead's living in his fake grandpa's trailer right now. This brings us into the thing that we're going to be seeing a lot from Betty uh, this uh, episode, which is her judging other people. So she meets with her friends at Pop Tates, and she's like, what is this? What are these stories? Strip poker? Skinny dipping? Toga party? These stories don't line up at all. (laughs) Yes, okay. Man, there's a there's weirdly enough, there's a lot to unpack here. One, yes, they do. Yeah, all of those things a, totally could have happened at the same party. Yeah, a party could have strip poker, <laughs> skinny dipping, and togas. And to be fair, the Power Rangers do in fact hate all of you, so they would have stolen all of your clothes in a different fashion. Yeah. Uh two, this will not come up again. <laughs> 
three, why are you having your private conversations at Pop Tates? Oh, this episode will continually have very private conversations, and they make the outright choice to go to the most public place. Though that is where Veronica owns it. But they're nope, not down the speakeasy. Um, also, Betty explains that Charles told them to get their story straight because they called Charles, which will come back to be a thing. The only... Okay, so there's, there's a lot of scenes they're not showing us here. Some of it for obviously dramatic purposes, but it feels like some of them they're cutting out to avoid... Like, me and Aaron are still very sure there's going to be the reveal. That this is all a plan. Now... Now, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's impossible for Jughead to actually be dead. But there has been no I mean, that would be very clever. No announcement that Cole Sprouse is not gonna be back next season. I told Aaron that I that maybe it's possible that he is now going to be a ghost in Betty's head for the rest of the uh, series. Which I'm super into. Because that keeps Cole Sprouse around. But Even not if... Jughead. Well, I mean, yes, Jughead. So I have a question. Yeah. Charles. How deep into their scheme is he? I'm also confused because the last time we saw Charles was him and... Well, no. So we saw him meet with Chick, but the last time we saw Charles is when he helped Betty time travel. You're right. that He did do the time travel thing. I thought it was the episode he met with Chick. No, he met with Chick before that, and then he helped Betty time travel. It's unclear and mysterious. I thought it was the other way around. Um, And... Yeah, so <laughs> uh, I don't know how deep Charles. I don't know what ch- what the relationship is between all of these people or what he's doing. What's here. going on with these prisons? They make some real weird like connections in this storyline between some disparate groups. Uh, but the point we need right here is that despite us not seeing it, they did talk to Charles, and that makes me think Charles is in on if there is a cover up of a murder, he's in on that. Or else, why not show the scene of them all going to Charles and telling Charles what happened? But I can tell you why they wouldn't show the scene as well because they don't always make they don't always make the make good editing choices in the show. Also true. So Betty's like, "Yeah, we need to get this straight because we didn't even do anything." And then Veronica, I assume, because it's yeah. always Veronica, was like. Didn't we do anything? You picked up the rock. Yeah, Veronica's going to get really hung up on this rock, and we'll touch on it when we reach those moments. But we do get some indications of their side of the story, which is, I mean, we saw some of it. Archie and Veronica literally just ran up. And Betty had also just run up and found Jughead and panicked and picked up a rock, which I think is completely reasonable. I think it's very reasonable for a a worrying teen girl. Um, But I... (laughs) I do like that their reaction to that, like, in Veronica's defense, running up to someone and being like, oh my god, I just found him, and then, like, going from there and being like, we should call the police, do anything like that, I would be like, okay, you know what, I trust you. But if someone was, like, ran up, like, no, I just got here, I just picked up this rock, you have to help me disguise his murder from ever having happened, I would be like, okay, now hold on a second. <laughs> why are we doing the disguise? But Betty tells us why we're doing the disguise, because they're trying to frame, the Power Rangers are trying to frame her. Because they hate her, which is true. And to be fair, at this part also, she does kind of have the hint that she maybe did murder him because she remembered the last thing she heard was, there is a hypnotic suggestion in your brain where I can make you kill the one you love. And then she remembers a rock. Yes. So, you know what? On her side, she actually is legitimately... Scared that she did it. Here's the thing. We have to play this straight. Until we learn one way or the other but Jughead, we have to play it straight. 
So Betty's like, okay, they're framing me. They murdered my boyfriend, we assume. Yeah. We got to play it smart. We got to take it cool. We got to take them down. And then Veronica's like, why would they murder your boyfriend? <laughs> and Betty's like, I don't know. Maybe it's a game. Perfect murder. They did that assignment. Now, I will say there has been a history of uh, people in the show doing very harsh things because they think it's a game. Mm-hmm. So, eh. Also because they don't like Betty. Apparently, that is why Edgar Evernever oh did my, a cult. Oh, my God. Everyone hates Betty so much, and I don't know why. She's just a nice girl who's sometimes a bit intense. <laughs> Everybody in the show immediately hates Betty in ways that are... Unknowable. <laughs> and ways that they should hate Veronica. Yeah, there's no motivation at all. Uh, we should note, because this is clearly a setup for something later, uh, Kevin is there, and he does mention a musical. He's decided what musical he's doing, but we don't know yet. Yeah. It, don't we know what musical is it? Isn't it Heather's? It was Heather's last year. Oh, Heather's was last we year. We already right. saw Heather's. I, Aaron, I cannot remember what's the past and what is the future in this show. That was the cult musical where Edgar Evernever was revealed. He was so hot. <sighs> All right. Anyway, we don't hear what the musical is. What we do hear is Archie coming home from Pop Tate's, and his mom is hanging out with that lady from last season. Yeah. she. W- I'm like... She was a character we saw before. She, she, when Archie was doing some boxing, he could go, he could go to like naval college on a boxing scholarship or something like that. And I think he did two fights in one day. Yeah, I do remember that being a thing. But he did not do the fight. He passed out because he tried to do two fights in one day. Yeah. Uh, Archie uh, does not want to hang out with two middle aged women. However, one of the middle aged women, his mom's friend. Yeah. Does say, I can probably maybe get you into the school. I'm going to try. Well, she mentions as, like, I mean, you did real good. <laughs> like, it doesn't, like, you hit a wall, but. But you know what? We'll teach you your boundaries. Yep. So yep. maybe he gets to go to college, which would be great. Yep. Now let's head over to uh, family time with uh, Veronica. The adult lodges, including Hermosa, <laughs> ambush Veronica with a meeting in their house. <laughs> Yes, yeah, see, Hiram is changing his will. A Which totally is, normal thing. Normal thing to do. It's normal. This is what I want because it's normal. And I did have, and it took a, it took me a few seconds to remember that. Oh, right. They all know about the sickness, but Hiram specifically has not told Veronica. So he assumes she doesn't know? I don't know. Honestly, that doesn't matter as much. Whether or not Hiram knows Veronica knows or is lying to himself that she doesn't know or, or knows she knows but won't admit to her. That they both know, because that's how emotions work. Essentially, Veronica loses her mind because Hermosa forced Hiram to change his will. (laughs) Also, she hates secrets about muscular dystrophy. What? Neuromuscular (laughs) conditions. Okay. So she rips up that will and runs away. (laughs) She doesn't rip up the will. She rips up, like, the page she has to sign in the will. (laughs) She rips up her copy of the will. She doesn't grab everybody's will and rips it apart. (laughs) That would be so good if she did. I mean, they'd print other copies because this is the age of the internet. I mean, also, that that would be an amazing overreaction, but very in line with Veronica. (laughs) That would be such a fun scene to film. Running around, ripping up wills. She, like, like, stomps on someone's foot, like, give me your will. No wills. No one gets any wills. (laughs) Oh, we take such a better show. A particular note, um, I do think Hiram still thinks Hermione's gonna die before him. Yes, um, (laughs) because he will... 
She's she is not mentioned in the proceeding. <laughs> At no point is Hermione under consideration as an executor of his estate. Now, now normally, yeah, you know what? You make the kids executors because usually they will probably outlive the parents. But, but when in this, you know. <laughs> this very specific situation where your time is limited, as you know from your history, uh, you could probably make Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> the executor. But Kevin, he's doing a normal thing. It's a normal thing. Totally normal. It's, got, it's totally normal. Uh, Betty takes a little bit of time to call uh, her not dad. You know, that man whose house she lives in. Yes. She calls FP. I think it's nighttime, but he's at, it's, it makes sense. He's at the office. Time, the time passage is in this, really unclear in, in this episode. Yeah. I, they, and there's times where it's clear everybody's like, oh my God, he's missing. But this feels like this is her first indicating to him that he's that he's missing. And then I think days go by. I think so, too, because that's the only thing that could explain the escalation. Yeah, this feels like this is essentially the day they discuss their stories on the morning. And then Archie and Veronica and Betty arriving home is all. So this is the day afterwards. Yes. So when she calls FP, she recites a script. And at this point, I was wondering if they were, like, having the phone call for posterity. But I think at this point, his responses are legitimate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the paper, I guess, was written by Charles. Or at least he told her to write it down. Because Charles is watching this phone conversation. And Betty's like, did I do a good job? And he's like, yep. Time <laughs> to do something super obvious. Here's a bug. <laughs> this bug is the size of... Oh my god. It's like a grape. This is a this is a flashing grape. <laughs> and you're gonna go to Stonewall and hide it. I have to believe. Now once again, we said we're gonna play this as straight as we can, but I do think this has maybe has to be some moments breaking. This ha- this is my this has to be part of the plan. For them to find it. Because so they Because that bug is hilariously obvious. So he also wants Betty with this obvious bug to yep. find out what they maybe what happened she yeah. might not be able to find that out but what they think happened and what they want her to think happened yeah so you think oh she's probably gonna have to go in and have and like try to tease it out of them nope she walks into the room and then proceeds the lying <laughs> if she's you like, can call it that well she said she's like hey so you and me donna we walked into the woods and donna's like no you were in the woods with jughead and Betty's like no, you and me walked into the woods, and Brett and Jughead walked into the woods. And Brett's like, no, I was never with Jughead. <laughs> no, no, Jughead was there, but he said he was going to go see you. What did you two do? <laughs> John is like, Betty, maybe you just don't remember because you were drunk. I love this show. <laughs> Betty's like, no, no, I wasn't. I love this show of three idiots each trying to get. It's like they all have bugs. <laughs> So Betty's able to plant the bug, and it's, it's just underneath underneath a a table, not it, very far underneath. And it. it is flashing. Let me let me put this clear. People sleep in that room at night with the lights off. They're gonna turn over and see just a red light. It's like something the- that would bring an airplane into land. <laughs> <laughs> this, like, or this is something that would survive an airplane crash. Which is why I thought. Okay, so this is a giant bug, but there's a secret second bug. No, it's the only bug. Betty, with that, with her scheme done, done and their lying complete, uh, 
She heads off into the hall where she temporarily bumps into Joan. And I was hoping that was a Betty plan, but based on Joan's face, it's not. Also, <laughs> also, does Betty know who Joan is? I mean, she's definitely seen her. <laughs> does she know she's a Power Ranger? I don't think so. Oh, uh, who knows? <laughs> They're, who knows? Okay, so while this is going on, Archie and Veronica are drinking rum from a flask. In the secret speakeasy, which, which is empty. And also, remember, last episode, that was a sign that Veronica was spiraling. spiraling. Now it's not. Because, because know, she's head's dead. Yeah, because she's not. Um, it's. I just wanted to bring back the idea that they don't know how to make the character spiral because they code the same behavior as two separate things without doing anything different. Coping healthily or spiraling poorly. The only difference is how they shoot it. And how other if characters re- there. And how other characters react to it. So Veronica's like, oh my god, my dad's making a new will. And Archie's like, oh my god, my mom's shipping me off to naval college. I'm like, that's not what's happening, Archie. But you know what? You're all you're still both grieving. Let's go ahead with that. And then Veronica's like, you know, it's real weird how we're helping Betty with Betty's weird <laughs> plot. And then we get more of Veronica. She's very hung up on the fact that no reasonable person would consciously pick up the rock. I for sure would pick up the rock. I know I would pick up the rock. Well, I mean, yeah, because it's dark and it's and she didn't have any light and she was trying to figure out what it was. Yeah. Like, it, this, it does not stand up as a logical thing. And we're so, and here's the thing. People, characters are allowed to be wrong and make weird choices. But Veronica's always historically been shown as like, oh, she knows what she's what's going on. She's she got this street smarts. Yeah, she knows how people work. Yeah, she knows that. And this is not that. It's a very it's it's a it's if they did not hang her entire motivation for her interactions with Betty in this scene on that moment, I wouldn't care as much because people can make wrong. T- I mean, we're we're arguing about whether or not someone could make a wrong choice well, in the moment. Betty does as this gets more and more challenging for her she gets kind of spirally and shifty she does i feel i just i think i feel like veronica's suspicions start too early yeah like there there are definitely other moments there's one very clear moment where veronica be like look betty's clearly being or if she even she brought up like if betty actually did accidentally why couldn't we call the cops yeah like there are so many more actually suspicious things to have her hang on the one thing that is not would not hold up in a court really you could never get someone committed on they picked up that rock yeah what's what's it's very how many husbands have been like miss um gotten mistrials yeah. or have been like put into jail falsely because they panic picked up the murder weapon i mean not even just husbands just people in general yeah. Picking up something because they're it's not there th- and they're panicking and they're not thinking. And that's one of the things that you can't judge how someone acts in a moment of stress. And uh, it's a whole thing. It's just weird for her to hang her, for this show, not her, for the show to hang her suspicion off of one of the least suspicious things that Betty does in a gamut of suspicious things. Speaking of one of those suspicious things, Dark Betty, you know. A sticky maple, Betty. Veronica talks about oh, that. Oh, she brings back the first season where Betty poured that on Chuck, and then she says, it just seems like she was like she's cable, but she could kill him. And I'm like, Veronica, you set a man on fire. Which you have never told anyone. So who's the it's, psychopath now? It's weird to me. Like, 
Veronica's thing here should be, and she should be written as, that she does not care if Betty's a murderer or not. She cares if she killed Jughead. Because Veronica has never had, a, in this show, has never had, like, the moral center. She's supposed to be, they want her to be a criminal, doing criminal things. She set a man on fire. <laughs> now, they keep forgetting they want her to do criminal things, but she is a criminal. Yeah, so... So, Jeez. like, this is, could be done in a way, but I think it had to be more of, like, like, hey, if you do that to, to Jughead, maybe we're not safe. And I think we're supposed to have feelings about, like, Betty's best friend turning on her, but Veronica has explicitly <laughs> not been portrayed as Betty's best friend. Oh, no, they haven't been best friends in a long time. Veronica is, um... <laughs> Veronica's best friend? Veronica's best friend, sometimes Cheryl's, and she stole Kevin from Betty. <laughs> oh, that did happen. Uh... So, yeah, Veronica's getting squeamish. Uh, and that heads us off to seeing what Betty's doing. Betty is visiting, visiting Evelyn Evernever in prison. Shankshaw prison, which is explicitly not as nice <laughs> as Hiram's prison, because we've seen the phone call but they are, in both of them. But they're close enough that Betty can get there and back in one day. And lie about going to Pop Tate's. Yep. Uh, so she has a nice little chat with Evelyn. So it turns out that Donna did visit Evelyn in prison. Duh. Um, Donna did ask Evelyn about farm things, and Evelyn's like, yeah, she said you told her about the farm. And I'm like, the internet told her about the farm? For sure there was at least one newspaper <laughs> article that Alice wrote about herself and her daughter. Oh, she definitely did like like a, I was, I was undercover in a cult. Here's my daughter. She also helped me bring it down. We're amazing. <laughs> Look at how blonde we are. Remember that one episode where they had the two of them work together, mother and daughter, and now that's not really a thing? Oh, she's busy dating FP. <laughs> she was busy dating FP before that. Anyway, Evelyn's like, oh. Or Betty asks if, I don't know, Donna asks about anything else. Evelyn's like, ooh, like a trigger word? Meh, Maybe there's a trigger word. I'm in hell, Betty. This is hell. There's a place waiting for you here in hell on Murderer's Row where boyfriend killer. Calm down, Evelyn. Why do you hate Betty so much? <laughs> yeah, it's. Alice was the one who killed Edgar. Your husband, Dad. <laughs> like, and and Alice was the one who was the mole inside. All Betty ever did was not <laughs> want to join your cult. Yeah, like, it's 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 such the point that, like, yes, we can look now and be like, yeah, Evelyn, there's reasons for Evelyn to hate Betty. But the thing is, she's always hated Betty, and there's never, it's, it's like they created an insane Ouroboros of hate, of, like, well, Evelyn hates Betty, so she hates Betty. And mm -hmm. she's always hated Betty, so now when she does things because she hates Betty, it's because she hates Betty. But not why she hates Betty. I don't understand why the cult was obsessed with Betty. They loved her or hated her. Yeah, I also don't understand why Donna hates Betty. I don't understand why anyone hates Betty. Well, I mean, they hate Betty because she broke into their secret closet of sex tapes. But I think she hated Betty before that. Maybe she loves Jughead. Oh, that, that would be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway... Betty has a flashback to The Rock, and then Betty admits to the blackout, and no one cares. Yeah, Evelyn also admits that she knows that she... Because Evelyn admitting that she knows that Betty killed Jughead means that Donna told her about the plan either before they did the plan or came back and visited it and told her the outcome of the plan. And neither of those are neither. reasonable <laughs> things for Donna to do. Well, especially considering how... Now, here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know how... Um, you know these these whole talks at uh prisons work i don't know if those phones are monitored 
Uh, they are talking on the phones. I don't know if they're monitored. They have to be they monitored, monitored, right? They could. I think they're probably not consistently monitored, but they have to be monitored sometimes. It it just seemed like like I don't like know. It has to be supervised <laughs> somehow. Because literally, that means that Evelyn and Donna planned a murder in a jail and or a scam murder, and the police guards were like, "Uh huh, mm-hmm. good. Yep. <laughs> Maybe this is evidence that Jughead is not dead." Okay, well, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, so Betty goes off to Charles, and she's like, oh, them, them people, they're, oh, those people, they're so, like, we gotta get them to talk. I know, we gotta make something wild happen. Well, we will get something wild happening, but first, a quick interlude for character development from Molly Wearingwald Andrews. So Archie comes home from a run that he claimed he was going on yesterday. <laughs> Archie, for all we know, has been jogging all night. And all day. Oh, man, I wish before he left, he was like, Mom, I gotta go on a jog. Takes off his shirt, takes off his pants, goes on a run. <laughs> See, I told you I do it like that now. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Archie returns from this run in a shirt, but he is wearing shorts. Yes. Uh, anyway, he's like, ha I did a run. His mom's like, I have to tell you something very important. Yeah. She explains that Brooke, which is the Naval Academy woman. Yeah. She's not just her friend. She is her girlfriend. And then she explains extremely reasonably in a story that makes perfect sense how they grew together. My favorite thing about this is Archie. Archie just being like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Man, I got a lot of other things to deal with, but like, thanks, Mom. Mom, I'm glad you're happy. It's good that you found love. I now understand why you could platonically live in Dad's house while he was still alive. <laughs> I, also, I also like the idea that there's so many bad mothers on this show. Maybe Archie will get two good ones. It'll balance out. It will not balance out. So we do know we are losing Hermione. It is known. Yeah. It is on the internet. I mean, once again, it's not like she's done a whole lot this season. They've really, really just sort of done nothing with her. I'm not surprised that Camilla Mendes decided to leave. So, like, a non-existent mom replaced by a second good mom for Archie, <laughs> maybe? Tip the scales slightly in the good mom favor? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but this is uh, interrupted by Betty. Who needs Archie's help? Yeah, she basically just bursts into the house and is like, Hello, I say I'm interrupting a moment, goodbye. <laughs> Hello, son and bisexual mother. That's now open knowledge. <laughs> let's go. Archie, let's have a talk. Will you please make a fight with <laughs> go. Brett? I need you to go and get into a conflict with Brett. Go and fight him. <laughs> and Archie's like, But why would I do that? <laughs> and Betty's like, because he did bad things to Jughead, Archie. Yeah, at this point, I think it has to be open knowledge that Jughead is missing. I think so, too. And I didn't understand that because I was like, yeah, he'll go beat up Brett because Brett got er, Jughead kicked out of school. Yeah. But I was wrong. No. Well, once again, because time passage is kind of weird. So Archie, man, he gets there and he just comes like running in and Brett's like, oh, no. <laughs> He's like a bull. <laughs> Like, he's literally, like, yeah. the running of the bulls. He sees that red flag. Yeah, so he ch- he charges down uh, down Brett. I- I'm assuming Betty said, you gotta get him into the room with the giant flashing. <laughs> You'll see it. It's giant and it's a flashing. So he beats... He... Okay, he beats up Brett. He essentially punches him twice, but, like, really hard. And then pushes him against uh, the bed and shouts, you killed Jughead! And Brett's like... Maybe. No, your girlfriend. No, no, wait, not your girlfriend. No, Betty killed Jughead. Some girl did a ponytail. That's how humans talk. <laughs> I do like how Brett just keeps referring to her by a hairstyle which she could easily change. And she only wears sometimes. Anyway, um, so 
And she wears a lot now. Oh, and then Donna bursts into the room and she's like, ha ha, I called campus security. Which I don't believe campus security exists in this school. But if you don't leave now, I'll call the police. You know, FP. Well, I, they might be in a different town, Aaron. Hard to say. It's hard to say. Uh, <laughs> but then Archie leaves and we cut over to Betty and Charles listening in on the bug. And Betty's like, we still get nothing good. And then Brett's like, yeah. Archie punched me in the face. He said that I killed uh, Jughead, which is ironic because, as we both know, <laughs> Ponytail did it. Haha, Ponytail, I see you're listening to this bug. They say nothing. That, I think they just lean down and say, huh, good job. Good try, Ponytail. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think they could clarify that you know about the bug at that moment. I also want to point out. That you pointed this out. Yeah. That Charles is listening to <laughs> tapes that are essentially on the tape version of he's, film reels. He's listening to a reel-to-reel player. <laughs> which is definitely not how that bug can work. No, it's like a wireless transmitting bug. Also, also, they can listen to that bug in, uh, in, uh... The FBI in the FBI agent back in back in Riverdale. That is a very 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 long range bug. I feel like I don't know. I would think so because like I know how far a Bluetooth speaker can range. Yeah, and like unless the thing is connecting to the Wi Fi, (laughs) the Wi-Fi. I don't. It don't think it has that that big of like even if it was working. It has to work with radio signals. I don't know. (laughs) I can't handle this. It's just an AM radio channel that anyone could tune yeah. there. Well, it's, it's just CR radio, so they're like listening in. They're like, "All right, well, maybe, uh, maybe Brett and Donna will say something." Breaker, breaker, one nine. <laughs> Get off the channel. <laughs> Choose a different frequency. A different frequency. <laughs> We've got this one. <laughs> it's a serpent frequency. The ser- he is not a serpent. No, he's not a serpent. Charles is explicitly. N- he's a narc. <laughs> He's a bad narc. <laughs> I kind of wish he was a better narc. I wish he was better at anything. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What did you learn uh, last week, I guess? So, after we watched Katie Keene, I knew. I knew if I didn't start watching it right away. I would never watch it, but I had to know how far this show could go into nonsense. I got a text an hour after we recorded about more facts from the show. So here's some facts. Yeah, we we will not recap the entirety of them, just the just the highlights. The most egregious facts mm-hmm. in season one, episode two. Jorge goes on some Broadway auditions. They kick him out because he threw a fit and screamed at a director during an audition. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. He's, like, doing a cat's dance, like an interpretive dance. Mm-hmm. It's going pretty well. And then someone, like, comes in and whispers in the director's ear, hey, that's the bad one. <laughs> that's the guy who shouts at people. And so they kick him out. So he apparently has an agent. What? And he begs. <laughs> you did not tell me that he had an agent. That is shocking to me. He begs his agent not to drop him from his roster. <laughs> that... Which somehow his agent agrees to. And then he sends him on a call to Jefferson. Oh, which is Hamilton. 
the, except for about Jefferson, the rap musical. Oh my god! No, I just realized it's not Jefferson. It's about Thomas Jefferson. That is so bad. I mean, Thomas Jefferson already has a musical about him. It's 1779. That's not the year that happened. Moving on. Jorge goes to the audition. He does not dress him like himself. He dresses like a rapper, and he raps well with emotion. Also, his mom is Daphne Rubin Vega, who is the original Mimi on Broadway, and she used to be a Broadway dancer. All right. She did so many Broadway things, and she feels very strongly that what Jorge should be doing is going to auditions and taking dance classes oh, and working bra- on his craft. He should be practicing and training and learning how to be better. Instead of hanging out in that bar all the time. Yeah. The bar where he's a drag queen. Yes. But yes, he should be. He should be. Making his craft better. Yeah, you should be practicing and doing stuff like that. Cool. He, he thinks not. No, no. He thinks hey, doing drag queen is enough. Nothing wrong with being a drag queen, but also there are other types of dance. Well, I mean, and also, yeah, practice. And you have to play different characters when yeah. you're an actor. Yes, once again. But he does not want to be an actor. Anyway, continue. Anyway, so he gets into Jefferson. He's very excited. But it's not Jefferson on Broadway. It is the touring production of Jefferson. Then, then he gets to go to a lot of places and gets, like, a lot of exposure. So he's and... doing a non-equity national tour, which is how, like, 99% of young artists yeah. get credits now. They go and they do, like, the non-equity rent tour. Yeah. And they get great experience for a year and then they get to transfer to a bigger centers. Yeah. Or they audition for something else. Like, that's how people get their start these days. Yeah. Well, this is hard for him. Because everything he loves is in New York, like his apartment. And then he goes to do a drag show, and one of the drag queens is like, ah, oh, give me your wigs. And he's like, ah, oh, honey, these wigs are going to come with me. And they're like, no, no, you can't do your drag shows in middle America. You got to go back in the closet. <laughs> Which, that seems like very bad language if that's the exact language they say. They sure do. That's real bad language. Then he is so sad. That he runs off stage in the middle of one of his drag performances, crying. Mm-hmm. And he decides he cannot go on tour with Jefferson because everything he wants and dreams of is in New York. And he feels like doing this national tour, which for some people is the height of their career, Yeah, would be taking the easy way out. It it just goes to prove more and more that this character does not want to be an actor. Mm-mm. Like, this character just wants to be famous. In New York. Just wants to be famous in New York. Doesn't want to... It's... I... I uh, God, this... I don't want to say this because I am a millennial. But, man, it's like someone created a, a caricature of millennial. This is it? a 22-year-old. Like, we explicitly know these characters are 22 because yeah. it's five years after Riverdale. Yeah. So maybe they're 23. Yeah. These are babies. These are babies who are getting he's, amazing opportunities. Yes, yeah, he's he's a twenty year old who got cast into who got cast into essentially this world's version of Hamilton, the most popular show in existence. And he does not have a musical theater degree, which you don't need a degree to do everything. But he does not have a musical theater degree. And this was after he got blacklisted from like there's he he should not have any of this. <laughs> And he decides he can't do it. He can't do some dumb truck and trailer show. And then Josie says, yeah, it does seem pretty cheesy. (laughs) It is the non-equity national tour of Hamilton. Yeah, like, if if this was done in a way where it was more of, like... Oh, he figured out that actually he doesn't want to be an actor. He just want he wants to do uh, drag drag shows. He He wants to do... Even if his goal was, like, you know what? I don't want to be an actor. I want to be a star. 
I'd be like, okay, you know what? So, fine, all right. Do you want to go more that route? That's fine. But the fact is that he constantly keeps saying, this is my dream, this is my thing. Broadway is my dream. But he is un... I'm going to say, people, all people use uncompromising in a very positive way, but he's uncompromising in the worst way where he doesn't want to practice, doesn't want to... And I'm sorry, lots of people start in smaller centers and then move to major ones. You do not always get to start. The, the fact that he has an agent in any of this stuff, like, it, it sounds like he's had no other roles. He's... Doesn't it sound like he, he's had? Yeah. He's never had another role. He gets a role in Hamilton on on a traveling show, and he goes, "No, that's not me. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough for me." Now I could tell you some other things about Katie Kane the TV show, like <sighs> how the engagement ring gets stolen before Katie can answer. That's fine. That's kind of funny. The engagement. Actually, actually that's pretty cute. Yeah. I could tell you about how Josie. Um, Alexander comes to her and he's like, you know what? I have some thoughts about where we went wrong. And she's like, what? I thought you believed in our product. And then you got some <laughs> mild critique and now you want to make it better? That's not art. <laughs> I could tell you about how Alexander Cabot buys the record store that Josie works in so it won't be shut down. <laughs> That's how that works. I could tell you about how Amanda, that girl who got the personal shopper position, yeah. is a manager? What? At the store? <laughs> what? Because that seems to be what personal shoppers are. Okay. I could tell you about how Katie works part-time for uh, Francois, but also part-time for the personal shopper Gloria lady because Gloria loves her. Wait, I thought, I thought she was fired. I could tell you about how Katie Keene has to design an engagement ring for the poor, that's, for the prince to give to her. That's not That's not how fashion, that's not what fashion designers do. I could tell you about how Pepper is a wealthy woman. She is essentially a social influencer who lives in a hotel and is a lesbian. However, she invests all of her money into her new project in Andy Warhol Club, the Pepper Plant. And so then she has to live in the warehouse. But she, but she was greatly wealthy. But now she is cash poor, now for she's... she put all her cash into the pepper plant. I like the I like the idea of stories of people who have all of the <laughs> all of the um, luck in the world at just squandering it repeatedly. She may also become a high end call girl at one point, but then like trick one of her marks out of twenty thousand dollars and also make him get together with his wife. Then it sounds like she got $20,000. Which is what she needed to pay the down payment to get heat in the pepper plant. Okay. I don't get how she relates to anybody else's storyline. Like, I don't get thematically what hers has to do with other people's stuff. I could tell you how I watched three episodes of this TV show. And it's in, and you still don't get it. It's <sighs> a lot of... I do not like it. I may not be able to stop watching it. Yeah, well. So you may have to read all my text messages. Well, what a terrible thing to learn. So Archie is uh, boxing at home because when you fight, you got to fight a little bit more. And his mom comes in. And his mom is like, hey, the headmaster <laughs> of a fancy school told you you beat up a boy? Yeah, did she, she got, got a call from the headmaster of the school? Yes. How did that happen? How Donna come? told on Archie. <laughs> She called campus security, and then Archie ran away, and then she said to campus security, Archie Andrews did a beat up. <laughs> but how did they get her? How 
they if, did a Google. If, if she said I got a call from FP, I would be like, okay, cool. They let the police know. But the headmaster called the parent of a student who does not go to that school. That's not how confidentiality works. Anyway. Um, She's like, so did you beat up this boy because I have a girlfriend? She's <laughs> like, no. She's I- like. There's two times in this in this episode that makes Archie seem somewhat homophobic. There's the one where Kevin wants to sit with them um, as they're discussing the murder, and Archie goes, "No, go away." And then Betty invites him back, and like, "Right, Archie?" Archie's like, "Yeah, no, it's fine. You can sit with us." <laughs> so it's it's a weird thing that it doesn't mean anything because they don't go, they don't do anything with it. But it's just a funny like the timing is yeah, just these two moments. But, so uh, Archie's like, no, that's not it. I have other feelings, Mom. <laughs> and he's about to tell her about those feelings. And then his phone rings. Because for reasons unknown and that we'll will co- not be explained. Betty no- knows he knows he was just about to tell his mom. And let's be clear, the way the the way the lines go is his mom's talking to him about like You, you can know. tell me things I know no- I'm not your dad, goes, but goes, tell me secrets. <sighs> Mom, boom, phone rings. <laughs> like, there's there's so much there. Now, let's not forget, Betty's house may be across the street, but it may also be so close that she can touch Archie from her bedroom. It's, once again, unclear. But she, in a very creepy scene, tells him to shut up. Like, Tell your mom you're sad because of something with Veronica. Bye. <laughs> and then Archie makes up an amazing lie. Archie should not have this skill. He... Because he tells her that he will, he he does it by not lying. He tells her another truth, but is still a secret. Mom, I am so sad. My life is so hard. Veronica's dad is super super sick with a neuromuscular disorder, and I can't tell anyone, and she can't tell anyone, and Mom, being a senior is really hard. I really wish that Molly's response is like. Didn't he try to assassinate you? Yeah, no, I'm fine with this. Bye. (laughs) You shouldn't be sad about that man dying, Archie. Archie, that man would have killed you ten times over. He sent you into prison. He cares nothing for you. You are not a thought in his brain. You are just something that stands in the way of him and his weird relationship with his daughter. Uh, He can die. Goodbye. Though he did give you a gym. (laughs) Yeah, as a taunt. True. And then he then he turned into a community center. Like literally, he got given a taunt, and he was like, "Yeah, I made it something good." See ya. Despite you. So after the phone call ends, Betty goes down the stairs, and Alice and FP are sitting in the middle dark. <laughs> and they're like, "Betty, we need to talk to you." Jellybean had a brilliant idea. <laughs> that young uh, young Gen Z girl with all her technology and her phones and things like that. She said we should use. The iPhone feature, find your phone. <laughs> he describes it in a way that it's what he's like. They said that we could track a phone and we could ping it. And we get a ping back and Betty, it pinged. <laughs> I'm like, you, know, you use find my iPhone. No, I got it. I, I know how it works. Now they found Jughead's Aaron, phone. I have a question. How old is Jellybean? 13? 13. 14? Oh, <laughs> man, she is, FB is 50. <laughs> Yeah, he should not be 50. <laughs> the the dis, the distance between this father and daughter, which could be explored in a show that cared about that. Not today. I love that Jellybean was just like, you don't need to still go find my iPhone, and I know Jughead's password into it. The same password as everything. Hiram is a murderer. <laughs> 
So they found Jughead's phone, and where they found it was Betty's coat. Now, there's no way it's that close. It said it was in the house, probably. And they just went about touching everything. Well, you know what? Fine. They found it in her coat. And I, and at that point, I turned to Aaron and went, Joan put it in there. And this is eventually revealed to be true? Maybe, Or is actually. Betty just envisioning it? Because I, I think we, we can see some... There, hey, without a doubt, there is some um, narrator... Uh, What's it called? Uh, uh, oh, an, unreliable narration. Yes. There's some unreliable narration here. However, Betty kind of hand waves over this, and she lies decently for someone being caught very off guard. Yeah, where she's like, "Well, I don't know his phone. We were here. He was charging it, and then I, I had it, or I, I don't. Guys, I'm, I don't know. I'm very sad. Alice was not listening to her though, because Alice goes, "Why didn't you tell us you had it?" And I'm like, well, because Betty just said she didn't know she had it. Like, at some point... In her, in her lie, she was at least able to keep up with the fact that she did not know she had it. And at some point, she thinks she put it in her coat. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. She is so sad. Maybe they have to declare Jughead a missing person. Like, officially. A, rather officially. Than, rather than the undercurrent, like, oh, is he missing? What do we do? Because it's been an unknowable amount of time. <laughs> it's, it's been four weeks later. <laughs> So, so then we cut to a scene that we're going to see twice in this episode that I think they just shot because they had the set. Uh, it's Archie, Betty, and Veronica hanging out in a dark blue and gold office. And I wrote that Archie and Veronica don't believe Crazy Betty, clearly. So I guess that's they, the scene. They do kind of set up the idea that in the scene that Betty's coming off as a little bit unhinged. And, She's a little bit manic. Yeah, and... Coming off of the thing earlier, I'm like, okay, I see where they're kind of going with this. They pull back at points, though. Here's the thing I feel as an audience member. Yeah. Betty is absolutely as manic as I expect. Yeah. Assuming her boyfriend is dead. Yeah. Or fake dead. It doesn't matter which way the storyline goes. Betty is as manic as I expect her to be. <laughs> she is, yeah. Even yeah. if she just stumbled upon his body, why would she not be crazy spiraling? Yeah, exactly. Um, but once again, she she figures Joan did it. We have a flashback where she imagines Joan sliding the phone into her uh, pocket. So you know what? Maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. I don't care. Yeah. Uh we have to cut away from this to the storyline we'll keep cutting back to. Veronica arrives home. She's like, Hiram, why are you here alone? And he says, Hiram keeps saying gross things and seducing his wife in the middle of the night in a gross way when she doesn't want it. I sent Hermione and Hermosa off to the club. Now, I don't know what club they're referring to. And I don't like it. You do not send women anywhere, Hiram. They go where they want. I like he could have said like, my favorite thing is he could have said it in a non creepy way. He could be like, I asked him to give us some privacy. And so he's like, No, I sent them off to the club. Which I have this image to be like, uh, Hermione Hermosa, why don't you go off to the club? And they're like, We're gonna go to Pop Tates. And he's like, <laughs> You weirdo. What about the Maple Club? I've heard some things about that. <laughs> no way it's related to Veronica. I have no idea who owns that place, but I've definitely heard of it many times. Uh, so he did it because he wants to talk to Veronica about his illness. Yeah, so... Then he says something I actually genuinely believe. Yeah. He says he didn't tell her because he didn't want her pity or to appear weak in front of her. Yeah, which I believe from Hiram. Then she says, Dad, 
You could never be weak in front of me. I want to be your source of strength. If, We're family. I love you. What? If this was season one, I would be more relatable to what they were doing. But we've had three and a half years of these people's relationship. And I don't care how much you want to be like, oh, but they're family. The things that they have done to each other, that specifically Hiram has done to her. He put out a mob hit on her boyfriend because he was mad at her he called random colleges to stop her from going to college he repeatedly really just dismantled her business like here's something for kids out there if you're just your parents can be terrible to you and you don't have to just and it will be confusing and it will be all those things but that doesn't mean that you have to be like, oh, now now they're dying and now they're sad and now... Now I love them with all my heart. You can love people with half your heart. You can love people with a tiny bit at the back of your heart. You can also just not love them at all. That's fine. Hiram, ha- if they had pulled back on some of the things that Hiram did, just a little bit... Like, if, if Hiram had been... Um, Caleb from the OC. Yeah. Caleb was not irredeemable in a relationship with his children. Because Caleb tried. Yes. Caleb was never like, I will destroy Sandy's entire wellness. Well, yeah, if Caleb had tried to kill Sandy, if Caleb had tried to kill Ryan, if if Caleb had Caleb also between him and between him and um uh Julie, he was the one who didn't try to frame Ryan for <laughs> something. And to be fair, once Ryan was like accepted as a part of the Cohen family, he was like, all right, I'm gonna back off. Yeah. Compare that to Hiram, who has repeatedly been a horrible human human being to his daughter that I cannot get behind the idea of like, oh, but he is her dad, so she has to No, she doesn't have to do anything. No. If if he was not her father, none of this would be I mean, to be fair, if it was not daughter, he wouldn't be doing that stuff to her. And to be fair, she is a child. Her brain is not fully developed. But he actually doesn't have to forgive her but they all, for the, the things she's done either. Things that they always keep treating her like she is the smartest person in the room. Yeah. So so you can really have those things both ways. She's never been portrayed as whatever. A child. Anyway, all he wants for her to be his pillar of strength is for her to get along with Hermosa. <laughs> Which makes sense. He Before he dies, he wants to see his family as a family. Which has been a big... Th- he, that's actually Family one, is very important to him. That is one thing we have seen. Now, he is, has a very hugely twisted way of seeing that, which, where he kind of wants his family under his control. Like, he... But he's only ever tried to kill Archie because he loves his family so much. Yeah. Like, that is not <laughs> excusing it at all. But it, but it, it gives motivation you can understand something without excusing it many things in this episode are not in character because many characters are not characters but this is in character yeah so betty learned something because fp learned something because fp got a call fp calls betty at home still really weirded out by these people who live (laughs) together call each other all the time he gotta get the information to her immediately also, she calls him Mr. Jones. Yeah. Also weird. Anyway, he calls. He says that he found blood on a rock that he found somewhere near the Stonewall party. So I was going to say something. I was thinking that she was calling him uh, Mr. Jones because she's emotionally distancing her, her, him. Because I, mm. I feel like she called him FP in the past. I thought so. So I feel like this episode, her calling him Mr. Jones was a purposeful choice. But who knows, honestly. So Betty follows up this phone call by going downstairs to see Jellybean, and I thought, oh, Jellybean's going to lead to something, but instead Jellybean just gives Betty some fake blood from Halloween. Jellybean has a real big uh, role in this episode. 
we couldn't use her for the find my phone scene, but we can use her for this one. <laughs> so Betty, uh, her plan, because she calls uh, Charles, and we get filled in that Betty did throw the rock into the swimming hole. However, there's another rock. <laughs> there was a second rock. <laughs> and somehow, both Betty and Charles, because Charles does not dissuade her, assume that this rock <laughs> Has Betty's fingerprints on it? Yeah, like like oh, it's gonna have his blood, but they're worried because it might have her fingerprints. Now, here's the thing: we are gonna learn something in a few scenes that makes that make sense. But at this at point, this very moment, why would you assume that that rock? Because it's supposed to put you in a fugue that makes you kill anyone you care about. Why would they hang around you, a murder what? machine? <laughs> Standing there touching, touching rocks. rocks. <laughs> Which rock do I want to use? Mm, yes, yes. But, man, they got to deal with it. So Betty makes a, f- a rock covered in fake blood. They'll just think it's a... Uh, They're going to think it's a prank rock. Which, you know, you know, fair enough, makes sense. But how are they going to get that prank rock to the <laughs> testing facility? Well, Charles just sort of uh, shows up as like, uh, you know, it's going to take you a long time for you to send that thing off to the city. I can get it to Quantico and get it back in like two days. And then Betty and Charles exchange rocks. In the diner! <laughs> Why don't they at the FBI office? Which is where we saw them talking earlier in the episode. Like, <laughs> they instead do this, like, covert, like, one passes the rock over the table, then the other one passes the rock under the table. And then Charles is weirdly like, oh, this rock will trick everyone to thinking a murder did <laughs> Like, it makes no sense. None of this makes any sense, but whatever. So, meanwhile, Veronica is up in arms. She's pacing around on the phone while Archie is in bed being like, what? My application? What? You're asking questions? I understand you're asking questions about my application. Well, I'll promise this will be, you'll see, you'll hear from my lawyers. She gets off the phone and she says, Archie, Bernard is questioning my application into Columbia because they found out I'm running a secret speakeasy. <laughs> Someone tip? No, that's not. No, it's no, the it's Maple, the Maple Club. Club. Yeah, it's the Maple Club. Even though the secret speakeasy was also an illegal liquor operation. And, like, Veronica, you are running an illegal liquor, liquor operation. Now, here's the thing. I actually don't mind this because clearly she's more upset they were tipped off versus the fact that she did it. Like, this this is – if you wanted Veronica to be, like, weird, cr- like, crime, this is the thing she's upset about. She's not upset that she did it. She's upset she got caught. And Archie's like, ooh, <laughs> how would they know that? Ah, the stone, the Stonewall kids called them. Aaron, everybody knows about the secret. <laughs> the kids at Stonewall know about her secret. You know who could have done this? <laughs> Penelope Blossom. I thought her, I thought her Mosa did. Yeah. It's it's wild to me that like they keep on saying, oh, these places are secret. No one knows about, everyone knows about them. The fact that Bernard, like Bernard clearly knew about it beforehand. Yeah. This, this should have been like, oh, this was broken over, but even that would have been dumb it as well. It was on the internet, and now they know, and now it's. Well, now it's open. Like, oh, they could have done it before when no one, no one knew. Anyway, Veronica's like, well, they did this to us because they hate Betty. <laughs> what, what's, now, I cannot believe these are the stone, this is Stonewall Kids. I, I still think it's Hermosa. I think, well, here's, mm, I'll get to it at the end. Okay. So uh, they meet with Betty because Veronica's done. She's done with her life being impacted by Betty's actions. (laughs) I only want Betty's life to be impacted by my actions. She's like, hey, Betty, why'd you pick up that rock? And Betty comes clean immediately. She talks about the blackout. She talks about the trigger word. She reveals everything. So they have to get to the truth. And the only way they can do that is by Charles making Betty time travel again. Yes. Uh, 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, if she sends her back in time, she can stop Jughead from being murdered. But she can't. No. All she can see is Donna blowing some drug dust into her face. <laughs> yes. Donna. Donna. Be on, the, <laughs> the conclusion of that scene where Donna was like, hey. Uh, there's a word, a word that makes you kill the one you love. Do you know what that word is? That word is anthrax. <laughs> and then she just blows white powder in her face. I like that Charles knows what it is by description alone. He's all like, well, I think she blew cocaine at you. He's like, oh, no, it's a dumb Riverdale drug. It's devil's breath. I am shocked that devil's breath is was not called some weird candy thing. So I thought it was called devil's wrath at first. And I was like, Oh, no, lame. It's, it's Devil's Breath, um, and it is – now, Charles goes off this whole thing. It is a roofie. And then Veronica, It is an aerosolized roofie. And then Veronica's like, could Betty do a murder well on this drug? And Charles is like, absolutely not. <laughs> we need – that drug – there's so many times this episode, the ability to just knock someone out by blowing a powder in their face <laughs> would be incredibly useful. They don't even make it seem like, oh, you were – because you were already on alco- – like, had alcohol or something like that. It's like, no, no, no. It's just a powder – you can blow in someone's face, and they are passed out. Well, because I don't think Betty had a drink before that. Nope. It's just a powder that Donna could get her hands on. Like, nobody, Easily. Nobody puts into mind that this this thing is wild. Like You can't just blow... Dust. You can't blow a roofie into someone's face and roofie them. Well, and also, the way Donna did it, she definitely would roofie herself as well. <laughs> I wouldn't want this thing to be her. She goes, <sighs> blows the... Because he blows it out of her hand. Yeah. She, just, she, had, a, she had her hand in her pocket full of pocket Which means she's just been grasping that pocket <laughs> just dust holding for like and, an hour. Holding and sweating into pocket roofies. <laughs> brings it <laughs> up. Blows it in her face. and goes, oh, I got someone in me as well. <laughs> and then they both just drop. Now, this kind of does explain the second rock. I guess they put two rocks in her hand because the idea the, the idea is the Stonewall people are like, they're wild. They're thinking about all these things. They have they have backup plans for the backup plans. So Betty calls Dawn into a meeting slash confrontation in a clearing in the woods. Yeah. Uh, they confront. Uh, Donna does this whole thing where she's like, well, it doesn't matter because you won't tell anyone because Jughead's body. Has your evidence on him. It's a perfect murder. It's not, Donna. <laughs> it's not. It's real dumb. Definitely not. Her, her idea of a perfect murder is that she puts so much evidence on someone else that they, they won't reveal that they it's won't a murder. Reveal that it's a murder. Though a lot of that relies on Betty doing anything beforehand to do with the because because if Betty had called the cops and then then like I mean. She, she, they wouldn't. There would be no reason for to test her for drugs. I guess if she said I blacked out, they might be like, "Oh, we'll test you for but drugs." But like, if she had called FP and been like, "Oh my God, I just found Jughead. I picked up this rock. The rock was covered in blood. I looked at his head. His head is covered in blood. Problem solved." This is what makes me think more and more like there's some amazing cosmic brain plan going on here. Anyway, Betty explains that they thought ahead. They know every move we're going to make. We got to stop playing defense. Now we got to play offense. And the offense is that we're going to have FP discover his body. No one else can discover his body. Not the local cops, not the FBI, not a random stranger. <laughs> FP. Which really makes it feel like, without them saying it in that sentence, that that means that FP is going to be brought in on whatever their scheme is. Because why else would you be like, it has to be FP? Like, why would why that. Why does it have to be FP? Yeah, I don't know it can't be them, but he could have been, like, a random stranger could find it. So they do a woods search, as yes. you do. They sweep the woods, and then FP and Archie 
find a body. Well, Archie finds. I imagine that the idea. I mean, Archie had to know where it was. Yes. Um, I imagine the. And also, the body's just open in a hole in the ground, so. But Archie had to be like, I'm gonna be with FP. Yeah. So clearly, the idea here is in you, sticking within the story they're setting up, they move the body there, or otherwise. That's living Jughead, because keep in mind, did you see that uh, Effie said, it shouted at the entire crowd behind him, including obviously other police officers, stay back. He did do he that. He didn't want anyone else to see what he was about to see. So, as a follow-up to this, Betty is walked through a police station while flashbulbs go off around her, and then she identifies a body. Yeah. And we do see the profile. And the profile is that of Cole Sprouse. I think it is Jughead. It is Jughead. And you do see, like, some bruising on the side of his face. And I was about to be like, like, okay, now now let's look behind the curtain. If we're thinking this about the plan, why would this happen? And then Brett and Donna just... Burst into the room? <laughs> Which I'm thinking, like, okay, on their side, did they think this was a trick? Like, they're like, they oh, they don't actually have the real? body. Slam the door open. And they thought it was going to be, like, a dog or something. Like, what? It's actually Jughead. And then Betty points and she shouts, you don't hear it, but you yeah. see it, get out. Yeah, so I'm imagining this is a the plan. They, need, they needed that to happen because they needed Brett and Donna to panic and think that they actually have Jughead's body. And they do, but they do not get close enough to this body for any... For anyone to know if he's dead or not. And some coroner is in on this. <laughs> and if there's anything we know about the coroners in Riverdale, it's very easy to pay them off. Now, I also want to point out that Brett's face is very beat up in an unreasonable way that oh, yeah. there's no way Archie did no to way. him. All right. So Archie and Molly, uh, Molly Ringwald Andrews, have a little bit of a talk. She's like, Archie, you are so sad. It is so bad that your dad and your best friend died within months of each other. <laughs> and then Archie's like... I'm going to close some sheer blinds and tell you some truths, Mom. <laughs> I can't let Betty see this. <laughs> so, my shears are closed. Uh, then we get a resolution to the whole Will storyline with Hermione and Hermosa. Is it, not Hermione. Veronica and Veronica Hermosa, Hermosa have decided to be co-executors of his will. Which, which means which, nothing. <laughs> and Hermione is left out. Uh, and then uh, Hiram is like, cool, it'll be so good to see you guys running my company. That's not how that works. Nope. That's not, this show doesn't know what an executor is. Executor is just the person who does the will. No, the executor is the person who deals with the estate after you die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll enjoy running the company together until Veronica goes to Bernard in the fall. And Veronica's like, maybe not Bernard? Well, she says, maybe if my, if my stuff is going well, I'll defer Bernard for a year. Bernard will always be there, but... And then Hermosa chases her out of the room and is like, no one defers Bernard. Hermosa gets wildly suspicious about this. And this is all just a very ham-fisted way of, I guess, getting Hermosa into a storyline. Because she goes, I'm going to find out why you're deferring Bernard. I'll figure it out. And Ronka's like, because one of my best friends just died, dummy. Like, what? <laughs> what? Man, your characterization is weird. So then Betty is standing in a clearing in the woods. Yeah, we, Betty Betty wants to text Donna, and they're going to meet up again, right, Aaron? Yeah, so, yeah. so Donna appears behind Betty, and Betty's like, oh, we have to... Well, we don't see Donna. Yeah. Betty stands in the woods. She says, we have to stop meeting this way, which means everyone assumes it's Jughead. I do like to think there are at least four different moments in this um, episode where it, where it could pan over and be Jughead. <laughs> it's never Jughead. It's Donna. Donna's like, why would you reveal the body? And Betty's like, well, because if I'm going down, I'm taking you with me. Let me describe me to you. 
daughter of a serial killer, also once in a cult, also Dark Betty. I also, don't know, dude. I'm being trained by the FBI, and I'm like, okay. None of those things are anything. Yeah, none of those things are really anything. None of those things mean anything. I do want to say, her constantly saying, I'm the daughter of the Black Hood, really, really just puts a nail into the idea that evil is genetic, which is a wild like, claim for this. It's just a lot about like genetic uh, imperialism. I mean- you know, the Blossoms love redheads and twins. And, That's more of incest driving you mad. And uh, <laughs> the Lodges are obsessed with power and bad at plans. More of the Mafia. <laughs> and uh, the Coopers are Once again, the, the serial killer genes are from Alice. If they're in both Charles and, and Betty, they're from Alice. <laughs> Which I don't know if the show realizes. <laughs> I still feel like they don't know. Uh, so then that actually goes right to the fact uh, of all the people hanging out in Pop Tate's, Pop Tate's which where we get – the reason I'm sudden here is because we get a really wild line. <laughs> we get a, an insane line that Veronica says. So Donna showed up like you expected? Now hold on a second. <laughs> We're – you decide to throw in this one line that makes it clear that Betty just stood in the woods until Donna showed up in the same woods, and that was just the way they – that's the way they did it. <laughs> because Donna knew when Betty would be standing in the woods. And, well, yeah, like, even if Donna was going to go back to the woods, you how long were you there for, Betty? <laughs> okay. And there's some nonsense. I couldn't really pay attention after that. She showed up like we thought we would, but basically – they are waiting for the they, they got, Power they, Rangers to make their next move. The Stonewall move. has to make the next move, yeah. And that's the episode. That's the episode. We know, well, we assume Jughead's not dead. Yeah. But we didn't see him, which I'm impressed at that restraint. Um, I, Here's the weird thing. Of all the things they should they could have done, I feel like this episode they probably should have done the reveal in because it's so... Like, it, if if he's not dead, it's the sort of thing where it's like, Everyone, how do how to describe this? We live in an age now where people are so aware of the way the TV shows are made that it seems very clear that you would not kill off Jughead in such a way because of what you did with him beforehand. Like he had so much going on beforehand, and he very clearly had a plan that everyone is sure that he's still alive. Because he kept asking Betty, "Do you trust me?" This yeah. is what we have to do. So dragging it out further. Could I don't want to say this is hundred percent the way things do because I, I don't know. Um, it feels like they're dragging it out in a way where you're like, yeah, we know, like we know, we know the play, we know the end of the trick, we know what the reveal of the illusion will be. So instead of trying to pull, uh, us all pretending we don't know what the illusion is, do it in a different way. Do you think that they will reveal he is alive? Like, full-on reveal. Yeah. Two episodes before the season finale. Then the episode before the season finale, they will do a Jughead-centric episode where he shows what he's been doing for the final, the previous eight I'm, episodes. I, I am feeling that. What I kind of wish they would do is they would reveal this episode that he's alive. Just he's alive. Not who knows him. Because then the rest of the episodes, the fun thing will be is trying to figure out what was the plan. Like, who knows what at what times? Everyone what's kno- real, what's not? Everyone knows Jughead is alive. But we don't know who knows that Jughead's alive. Because that's... And all you could have shown was him, like, hanging out in his grandpa's trailer. Yeah. Or riding a Greyhound bus to Canada. 
Yeah. Or hanging out with a bear. Like, there's a bunch of things you could do there. Like, so I was running at them, like, as I was going through this, I was trying to think of, like, okay, think of this as the plan of Jughead, of what they're doing here. Plan of Jughead and Betty. I'm like, okay, maybe here's how this goes. Maybe, now this is wild because it involves them knowing other information. The fact that Charles is in on it makes me feel like they know something about Charles and they're masterminding a play to get at him because I don't think he knows Jughead is alive. And the fact that Betty mm. keeps certain things from him, like I think Betty knows Betty knows Jughead is alive. Betty knows Jughead. I kind of think that Archie knows Jughead is alive, but Veronica doesn't. Which would explain all of Veronica's suspicions. And explain why Archie is so conflicted about telling his mom. And why Betty was so weird in that scene. She knows that only him and Archie know that she's alive. I mm. don't know Veronica's Veronica is not brought in in this episode. Um, and Veronica's suspicions seem too... Genuine. Yeah. And that's why I think Archie's always like, no, no. Like, Archie having no suspicion at all. I mean, at one point he's kind of like... He says something like, did we do nothing? It's or, also noteworthy... Or no, did the stone walls do yeah. it? Yeah. It's also noteworthy that Archie checked Jughead's pulse and then found the body with FP. Um, True. I also think that... And this wasn't. This is a very cosmic brain stuff. I think, obviously, Evelyn doesn't. But I think the reason Betty went to visit Evelyn was to confirm to Evelyn that Betty's going through stuff. Because I think the idea here is that part of it is to mess with essentially Evelyn. Like once she, once they figured out the whole, like they knew that mm. that they knew that Donna went to visit Evelyn beforehand. Like, like you can get the records to that pretty easily. But for Betty to go, yeah. Like, there's a lot there, and, and here's the thing. I'm actually kind of having fun with this thing, figuring it out. But I don't know if that's what the show wants us to do. I think they kind of want us to be like, oh my god, Jughead is dead, and Betty's going dark, and what does it all mean? But it'd be way more fun if it was like, um, what's that TV show with like the greatest trick the, or movie, the greatest trick the de- devil ever did was convincing you he didn't exist? Yes, yes, yeah, old saying. Yeah, it's yeah. essentially that. Yeah, like... It would like we here's we we spent this entire season knowing where it would go, so why all of a sudden now be like now we're pretending we're pretending that this actually didn't happen we're pretending that oh yeah you know he's dead but like if you reveal to us immediately I think at the end of the episode is a good idea end mm-hmm. the episode Jughead's alive but don't clarify who knows what we or where he is or even. where he yeah or even where he is we, then we get to spend these other episodes thinking and really considering who knows what. About what and what does it all for? Like, like, unfortunately, it would require a lot more. It has to be. You got to be very smart. Yeah. Lots of storyboarding. Yeah. But that would be cool and fun and interesting and, and a new smart and a new way to do the story that they're doing, which is not a new story, but could be done in a new way. Instead, like, let's be honest. We don't think Jughead is dead. And he, if he is revealed to be dead, we'll be like, OK, I guess we were wrong. But Really? Yeah. Like, like, I really don't think Jughead is dead, and it's kind of annoying to play this game where we have to pretend that he is dead. I will say, if he is actually dead, and if Cole Sprouse is actually not on the show next season, <laughs> I'm going to be very, very impressed with their ability to keep that a real secret yeah. in this day and age. Yeah, I'll be very, very impressed as well. Um, I think it'll be a bad choice. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand <laughs> what it would achieve storytelling-wise, yeah, but I, it'd be I, cool... <laughs> Maybe it'd explain why Skeet Ulrich is leaving. He's like, oh, my son's dead? Well, I'm taking my daughter and getting out of town. Yeah, but then, Aaron, who really do we care about in the show anymore? Brooke and Molly Ringwald Andrews. All right. 
So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So, this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic decided to plant a bug to figure out a secret? Unfortunately, its technology was incongruous with days and times and technology things, so it just found drama. I did. And the moment I have chosen is when Evelyn delivered her murderer's murderer's row monologue. (laughs) Which makes no sense for that character to say there's no, there will never be a good reason for why Evelyn knows that Betty killed Jughead. Yeah. There will never be a good reason why Evelyn hates Betty so much. No. But she sure did that dramatic crazy person monologue real well. (laughs) Yeah, man, motivations are hard, I guess. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? Yes. Um, Mine is... I mean, it's a CW moment. I try to avoid the most obvious one, which is the whole Dawn in the Woods thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I decided that it was that whole... It was, the, it was the bug. Like, the giant bug. The giant, very obvious bug. And the fact that it got, like... And then there's talk. Like, the, like the, the, the three of them having that conversation about, like, where they're using, like, double language. And it's just three people just being like, oh, no, it's this. Oh, no, it's actually you did this and you did this. And it made me wonder. This is where I first popped. Like, is this also to mess to, to bring to mess with Charles? Because I don't think Charles knows that Jughead is alive. Mm. You were playing that game. I think Jughead mm-hmm. thinks that Charles is dead, but that means that he's somehow in on the plan. Which is why I was trying to, trying to link Chick and Evelyn. Because I'm like, is... but I don't think they're in the same prison. I think Chick is in the fancy prison. And Evelyn's in that cheap prison. I mean, whether or not they're in the same prison, like it. It was me trying to figure out, like, like if we think of this stuff as, like, oh, this is all performative to do, to get what they need out of it, why would Betty go to Char... Like, I also brought up earlier that they didn't show the scene where Betty, where they asked Charles for help, which could be where she revealed to Charles that Jughead is alive, but all it does is also make me confused, like, but she's, he's doing something with Chick against her. We saw that. Yeah, which... I which I which was for that came up on Halloween, but it has nothing to do with Betty has too much stuff going on in her family dynamic that I can't keep keep track of who is linked with what. Like is Chick and Charles and Evelyn linked? Evelyn and Donna are linked though, and Charles because does Charles know Jug is alive? So he's going to help her with this, but then he's going to reveal he's bad later with Chick and. But also, like, Betty knows how to dispose of a body, so why does she need Charles for this? And if Jughead is alive, how did she... Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't... The thing is, like, either Jughead's dead, and it makes no sense, or Jughead's alive, and it makes no sense. So essentially, it makes no sense. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to pick this up next uh, next episode, see where they're... We see where they're going with that, uh... Luckily, it's just next week. It is just next week, and we're going to have to see what's happening there. But until then, if you like this, you should give us a rating, review, subscription on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to us. And please tell us your conspiracy theories or non-conspiracy, like normal theories, (laughs) on social media, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, on Instagram, on Twitter, or email us at podcastmoa at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for more Riverdale. What will the Stonewall kids do next? Will Hermosa discover Veronica's secret? Is Jughead alive? Answers all this and more on the next episode of Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast?
Veronica's Secret is this world's version of Victoria's Secret. 